Well, good morning. Hey, my name is Britton. Uh, <clears throat> good to be with you guys this morning. Before we get into the text uh, this morning, I do have an announcement to, to make for us, something that I'm inviting all of you to participate in. Um, and that is, we are coming up here on the selection of additional elders and deacons at Moran Park. So, at, at Moran Park, we are led uh, by a group of elders. The word elder means shepherd. And their job is to shepherd, to lead, to tend to the flock, to keep out the bad stuff, to make sure that we're heading in the right direction, doing what the Lord tells us to do. Um, that, that's their job, leading, shepherding, guiding. Uh, but we also have two other teams. We have the deacon of finance team, and their job is to take care of the financial side of things, make sure, you know, like we're legal, that type of deal. Um, that our finances are in order, that we're being good and responsible stewards of the finances God has entrusted us with. And so they are responsible for that. We also have another deacon team, because the word deacon means servant, all right? And so we have a group of deacons that serve and care for the finances. We also have a deacon team called the deacon of care. And their job is to care for the practical, tangible, physical, emotional, sometimes financial needs of the church family here. And um, we have been our own independent church since... Uh, it's been July 1 was one year and as we became our own independent church we put these teams in order now we we've had elders prior to that we added elders we put these two deacon teams in place and so this past year has been getting that sorted out how do we work together how do all the teams function together and it's been amazing to see what the Lord's done but now we've come to the place this fall saying okay we would like to add additional people to those teams uh, because the, the needs continue to grow and God is raising up additional people here at Moran Park so here's where you come in. We are inviting you for the next two weeks to nominate who you may think would be qualified to, to step into one of these roles. Now, if you want to nominate someone, uh, make sure that they meet the qualifications and meet the criteria. What is found in the scripture for someone that is qualified for these is predominantly character. We're looking for people that have high character, godly character, <clears throat> and I encourage you, before you nominate someone, you can nominate someone online at brandpark.org. Or um, there are three beautiful colors of forms here. Um, one for each team. So one, just look on the title. This one's for the elders. This one's for deacon of care. And this one is for the deacons of finance. Pray. Be uh, intentional about praying. Does the person that God is bringing to your mind, do they meet these qualifications? We have an additional qualification here is that they need to be actively a part of Moran Park for a year. Now, what does that mean, actively involved? I don't know. Just If you feel like it's close to a year, great. Um, we just want someone that's been invested here. Um, someone that knows Moran Park and not just been here for a couple of weeks. So you have two weeks. You have two weeks to, to, to nominate folks. And then we have uh, teams of folks that will pray through what the next round looks like. We'll keep you up to date on what the process looks like. It may be a little bit different depending on your background in the church that you've come from in the past. We don't vote. We don't cast lots. We, we select elders the way that we hope to do everything else here at Moran Park is we ask the Lord and do what he says. So we pray and we ask the Lord who moves on and who, who do you want to maybe say that this isn't the time for them to move on in the process. The other thing to keep in mind when you're nominating is we're not looking for someone, as we talked about last week with titles here, we're not looking for someone to all of a sudden get the title of elder and then have them start eldering. Who around you has been doing a role of shepherding? Who, who, who do you go to for spiritual guidance and wisdom? 
who, who do you, who's already maybe God raising up? We want to simply acknowledge who the Lord is calling into these roles, not just pick people that we think might be good in a human sense, okay? So that's your, that's your responsibility. The next two weeks, nominate people from Ram Park that you think would be good to go through the process of any one of these three teams. The timeline is the same, and the nomination process will end in two Sundays from today. Cool? Awesome. All right, turn please to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We started just a couple weeks ago going through 1 Corinthians, and we're going to be uh, at least starting in 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 17 this morning. But... I need to pray. So let's pray. God, what an amazing truth that we hold on to this morning that no matter what we've got going on this week or this past week, the, the way that life seems so unstable and uncertain, we cling to the truth that, Jesus, you are the solid rock in which we stand. Like, God, you are firm. And that's why no matter what we got going on, uh, we can come and cling to you knowing like, oh, it's still true that you are King of Kings, that you are Lord of Lords, that you do hold all things together, that you are with us, that you are not distant or far off, but you are close and you are near. For those that are brokenhearted this morning, God, we thank you for the promise that you are near to the brokenhearted. God, for those that are longing for provision, we know, God, that you are the one that provides for us and will give us our daily bread. And so we we trust you for that this morning. For those that need to be set free, God, especially for those, yeah, this morning that need to be set free of things that they have no idea that enslave them or ensnare them, God, would you give them eyes to see the things that they're preventing them from living into the fullness of life that you promised for us and that you've bought through through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Would you give us eyes to see what ensnares us so that we would turn to you to be the one who sets us free. We thank you for the truth and the promise this morning that our eyes are ever fixed on you, Lord, because only you will release our foot from the snare. So for those that are striving and working and try to get their foot out of the snare, the things that are entangled them, the things that keep them trapped in sin, the things that are keeping them down, oh God, would you give us grace to fix our gaze upon you and trust you, God, that you will release our foot from the snare this morning. God, give us grace to stand firm and grace to stand steadfast no matter what we're in the midst of today. God, we thank you for the ways that you've shown up this week, that you've provided, the way that you've revealed yourself to us. Even Jace's testimony, God, man, what an incredible way that you speak so clearly and give the grace to walk in obedience. Oh, God, you're worth our praise this morning. I pray that we would have childlike faith this morning. That as Jace modeled for us, the joy of simply listening and obeying because out of a love for you, that that would be our heart's desire this morning is childlike faith. God, would you grow that in us? That doubt and cynicism would leave in Jesus' name. Excuses would leave in Jesus' name. And that you would replace that with a childlike faith. I pray this in Jesus' glorious name. Amen. All right, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to dive right in. This is uh, right on the heels of Paul's introduction uh, of his letter to the church in Corinth. 
as we talked about two weeks ago, that we are people that are sanctified. We are saints. No longer sinners if you come to faith in Jesus. We are now saints, and God is in the process of maturing us into who we already are as saints. And, and then he talked about, yes, there is a... Uh, there is a joy, there is a confidence, there is an assurance that God will sustain us as saints to the end if we are truly saints. And what does that look like to make sure that we are, in fact, a saint? Uh, and now he goes into this really quickly, beginning to deal with the, the first major issue in the church. And there are a lot of them, as we've said before, in this church in Corinth. And this main issue is division. And this is what it says. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree... And that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each of you, or each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the house of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't know uh, whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ, isn't that funny? It's like when you ask a kid, did you do it? No, maybe I did do this and this. Then he says, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So the problem here is there's some division going on, but not just division generally. There's a lot of things that can cause division. And a few months ago this summer, uh, we talked about living intentionally in unity. But the issue that's going on here is that people are picking sides. They're giving, like, hooking their wagon to specific teachers or Christian workers, right? So there's like, well, man, I, I follow Paul. Paul's my dude. He's the one that taught me. Oh, that's cool. I follow Apollos. Apollos is the dude that baptized me. Oh, well, Cephas, he's even better because of this, this, and this. He's the one that led me to the Lord. He's the one that baptized me. And all of a sudden, someone's like, no, no, I just follow Jesus. But what's happening in that is there's all this division going on. Because, I don't know, maybe it's like a prideful thing that they're finding spiritual pedigree in who led them to the Lord or who they're aligning themselves with and who, who they want to associate with. But Paul's like, why are you guys doing that? You're not baptized into my name. Just because I'm the one that baptized you doesn't mean like I'm something special. Though sometimes that, I, I think that can be, uh, that can be an issue I think in our culture, right? As you are going out and you're making disciples and you're leading people to the Lord and you're baptizing people. There's this genuine appreciation and joy like, oh, thank you that you're the one that shared the gospel with me. Thank you, you're the one that baptized me. But Paul will remind us in a minute. No, 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 we're simply servants obedient to what God asks us to do. That it, just because we baptize someone, that doesn't mean they're baptized into our name. Or just because you're baptized or led to the Lord by someone which you would consider really spiritual, it doesn't mean your salvation's like even better than someone that is maybe not as mature in the faith. But we do the same thing. Oh, I, I follow this person. I follow this author. I follow this guy. I follow this guy. And, and Paul's saying, guys, 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 you, you missed the point it's not about which person you follow or this point. It's, it's about Jesus is what he's going to say. He says, I, I, I didn't baptize any of you. And they said, well, okay, maybe many of you. He said, my job in the church in Corinth here, my job was to simply preach the gospel. And he said, I did it faithfully. That was my job. I sowed the seeds and, and 
and, and other people came by and they did the baptism. But that was my job I was being faithful to. He picks this up if you go to chapter 3. This is such a big issue in the church that um, he has to repeat himself. He doesn't like wait to the end of the letter. He does it just a little bit later. He's like, remember, this is a problem of division and you guys are, you guys are messing things up here. He says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Uh, so we're in verse 5 this is. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed. As the Lord assigned to each, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. I mean, he makes a really clear statement here that I think is incredibly important for us to keep in mind and remember here in, in the work. Is that, he goes, guys, I, I simply did what God asked me to do. I sowed the seed. Apollos came by later. He watered the seed. But remember, you can water all you want. You can plant all you want. But at the end of the day, it is only God who gives the growth. I mean, if you have any farming background, you know this to be true. Even as a, if you garden at all, it's amazing. You can do all the right things, plant the right seeds, and water, and water. And at the end of the day, you have to wait. You wait and wait and wait. And sometimes you get a lot of fruit. Sometimes you don't get a lot of fruit. But I think something that's important for us to keep in mind, Moran Park, is that our job is to focus on being faithful to what God calls us to do. He will take care of the fruitfulness. Now, fruit is important. Jesus says in John chapter 15 that God wants to bear fruit in us. He will bear fruit in us as believers because it brings much glory to God. When we, uh, as saints, as we grow into the fruitfulness of being saints, which is growing in Christ's likeness, when we display more of Christ's likeness in our lives and through our lives, it puts Jesus more accurately on display to the world so that he receives more praise, more honor, more glory, more attention, more praise. He's after the fruit in our life. Here's where we get screwed up. We become so consumed and concerned about bearing the fruit that we aren't consumed and concerned whether the question of, are we being faithful with what God's asked us to do? It, it, it gets really screwy. I think sometimes the problem is we start focusing on the fruit, but we're actually focusing on the wrong fruit. We start focusing on the fruit of the world. So we say, man, that person, they, they're a big deal because they, uh, they have a, uh, they've sold a lot of books. So they speak at a lot of conferences. or They have a huge church. Therefore, they must be fruitful and God must be absolutely pleased with them. The fruit is not dependent upon ourselves. Our job is to be faithful. In fact, in the kingdom, the fruit isn't even equal. And we hate that in our culture because we want it all to be equal. We want everyone to get a trophy and everyone to get a prize. But Jesus says that in the parable of the four soils, that even in the good soil where seed is scattered, that some soils will produce a harvest of 30, 60, or 100 fold. Those are not equal yields. But what happens is, we look at the people that are yielding a hundred times fruit and we're like, they must be doing something right. They must be doing something right. And not only that, we go, I must be doing something wrong because I'm not bearing a hundred times. I mean, 
God is concerned about us being faithful. Now, don't get me wrong. We should be bearing fruit in our lives, but fruit will come if we are being faithful with what God asks us to do. There's a parable Jesus says with the talents. Uh, someone's given one talent, someone's given five talents, someone's given ten talents. And the person with ten talents is faithful and a good steward with those ten talents and produces ten more. The one who has five talents is faithful and a good steward with that, and he produces five more talents. The person with one talent goes and buries it, and, and he, the, 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 the person who gave him the talent yells at him not because he didn't bear ten talents, but because he wasn't faithful with the one. The person who had five talents got the same praise as the person who produced ten more talents. It's not about how much that you produce. That's up to the Lord. Our job is to simply be faithful. But how, how often, right, where we start, we, we start comparing ourselves to one another and the fruit that we're bearing in our lives. I mean, I think that it's one of the most detrimental things that I see as of late is we don't step into to doing what God has asked us to do and be concerned about the things God's called us to do as individuals and be faithful there because we are so busy comparing ourselves to one another that we disqualify ourselves all the time. Some of you are like, oh, I can never share the gospel because I, when I share the gospel, no one comes to the Lord. When that person shares the gospel, it's like they barely say the word Jesus and people are like falling on their face and saying, what must I do to be saved, Right? In sharing the gospel, your job isn't to worry about who gets saved and who doesn't. Your job is to be faithful in who God asks you to share the gospel with. With loving your neighbor, someone loves a neighbor and they're like, oh my gosh, I can see Jesus clearly because of the way you love me. Some people that you will love and you're, you're being faithful. God told you to go love that person, go serve that person and they want to punch you and they can't stand you and you think I must be doing something wrong because it's not producing the kind of fruit that I think should be produced. But here's the good news. The fruit isn't up to you. Your job is to simply be faithful. And I, I was like, oh, what freedom does that bring? When I can simply go, God, what is it you've asked me to do? Yes, it's going to look different than you. Yes, it's going to look different than you. Yes, it's going to look different than you and it's going to look different than you. But I can simply say, oh, I'm being faithful to what God has asked me to do. And therefore, I can trust that he will produce fruit in it, whether I can see it or not. But so often we get worked up and thinking, oh, I've got to produce this fruit. I've got to produce this fruit. And some of you are really questioning your walk with the Lord right now because you are doing the things that you used to do, but it's not bearing the fruit like it once did. And so you're thinking, well, I'm reading my Bible, I'm doing this, it's not making me feel this way, I'm not seeing the fruit of it this way, therefore I must be doing something wrong. Some of you have stopped praying for the sick because you think you're doing it wrong because at one point you go out and pray for the sick and you see people get healed like it was nobody's business. Now all of a sudden you pray for the sick, you're like, no one's getting healed, what's going on with that? But because we measure our success so often by the fruit rather than God saying, no, you've been faithful, we disqualify ourselves. Some of you are buying the lie that God is not pleased with you because you're not producing the fruit that you think you should see. And oftentimes, here's the other issue. God is producing fruit in us. We just can't always see it. And it's not always the fruit that we want him to produce. God may be producing in you steadfastness, which only comes through pressing in in delayed answers to prayer. 
God may be instilling in you with steadfastness, but also growing in you the fruit of trusting him even when you can't see the fruit. He may be growing in you and instilling in you the truth that God is unchanging even though our circumstances or situations around us may be changing. God may be instilling in you and showing in you that you are putting your faith, your hope, your trust, your roots, your foundations and things that can crumble. And maybe the Lord's saying, I want to build in you fruit that will last. And sometimes that only happens in situations where you're like, how in the heck is, this, is the Lord bearing fruit in this? And for some of us, we love the flashy stuff. Man, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I love it when we get to see people uh, get set free of the demonic. When we get to see people uh, get healed. When we get see people get saved. When we see people uh, have relationships that get restored. When we see people walk in radical obedience. When we see people loving, wel- welcoming people in their homes. Like, I love that kind of fruit, but here's where I get into trouble. Where I start thinking, what am I doing wrong because I'm not seeing the same level of fruit that I once did? Here's the temptation. Then I put it on myself to try harder to manufacture that fruit. I put the weight and the burden on myself, and it is exhausting. And honestly, it's fake a lot, too. Because maybe the Lord isn't concerned about me... um, I don't know, bearing the fruit that I think I should in a particular way. He may be saying, Britain, this is a season I'm calling you into deeper intimacy and relationship with me. Like, when, when, when we can get past this fact that we're not responsible to bear the fruit, we're, we are responsible to be faithful. But then we can trust the Lord whatever season he has us in. So it may be a season of rest. It may be a season of pruning. It may be a season of waiting. And then we don't have to say, well... I must be doing something wrong because it's not happening the way I think it should happen. That we can trust the Lord in those seasons to rest with him. That he's pruning us, not to punish us, not to like, you know, get after us. But so that down the road, we will in fact bear more fruit. And honestly, when we have that understanding, the revelation that we can be faithful with whatever God asks of us that particular day. That he will bear fruit in us. There is such a weight that's lifted. I, I've seen this too often, especially with pastors. Like, um, I... The number of pastors that I know that end up walking away because they're burned out is staggering. It's, it's staggering. And I think there's a lot of reasons for it. And I have a ton of grace for the, the folks because I, I, I understand it. Because even as a church, there's this temptation. Like we've had seasons here at Moran Park where like seriously, you barely mention the name Jesus and people are getting saved. Like there's been times where God will give a word of knowledge, people won't even get prayed for, and they get healed of that particular thing. You're like, oh, oh, my, oh my goodness, what's happening? You have people like Jesus speaking so clearly to you. Have, you have these seasons where it, it is unbelievable what God is doing. And here's the temptation. When we start focusing on trying to manufacture that fruit, now we should celebrate that fruit. Fruit is good. God wants fruit. But he is responsible for the fruit. Our job is to be faithful but the temptation in that is to say, man, we must be doing something wrong as a church because we're not seeing that like we once did. Now, don't get me wrong. As an individual and as a church, if we're not faithful with what God asks us to do, sometimes we're not sowing seeds. Sometimes we're ignoring our relationship with him. Sometimes if we're not faithful, th- sometimes the fruit doesn't come along with that. We need to be faithful. But sometimes we are being faithful and pressing into what God wants us to do, even though it doesn't look like it once did. We... I feel like that's been our season here at Moran Park for the past like six months. I don't know, maybe longer. My sense of time is terrible. 
I always feel like I've been at Moran Park for like two years. It's been seven, you know? Um, This has been a season that I think the Lord is beginning to bring us out of, of one of just pressing in when we don't see the fruit, that we trust the Lord, that our roots are growing deeper to say, I'm going to stand on the truth whether I see it around me or not. That I'm going to battle and fight and contend in prayer for the advancement of the kingdom, whether I see it or not. I'm going to find my satisfaction in Jesus and who he says I am, not in the fruit that is born. Which is awesome because then our emotion of in highs and lows of the Lord don't go up and down depending on the fruit that we see or don't see. How, how up and down are we with the Lord, right? It's like, oh, it's so fruitful. Oh, God's awesome. Oh my gosh, this is terrible. God hates me because I'm not seeing any fruit. But when we understand... God simply wants us to be faithful day by day by day. He will bear the fruit. How, how often is that? Like, I don't think this is just a, a college age deal. Maybe this is for all of us too. Where we become so consumed about the big things of God. Like, what's God wanting to do for my life? What's he calling me to? Where does he want me to go? What's he want me to do? And praise the Lord. You should ask the Lord about those things. But God isn't concerned about us being faithful just with the big stuff. God's concerned with us being faithful with the everyday mundane things in our lives as well. And God's amazing because the kingdom principle says that if we are a good steward and faithful with the little, he will give us more. And sometimes we become so concerned about trying to be faithful with the big stuff that we aren't being faithful with the little things. And the little things that the Lord may be telling me to be faithful with today is, how do I love my spouse well today? How do I love my kids well today? How do I love my coworkers or fellow students well today? What does intimacy with the Lord look like today? What's the promise that God is speaking me today? I mean, just really mundane things. How do I treat the person that I'm waiting behind in line that's annoying me? How do I treat the person that just cut me off? How do I be, how do I be faithful with the little things? How do I be faithful when God tells me to go pray for this person and I'm scared to death and I'm worried about what they're going to think? How do I be responsible? How do I be faithful to those little things God asks me to every day? Because when we show ourselves to be faithful with the little, he will give us more. But Moran Park, you are not responsible to try harder to bear fruit. Some of you know that you're trying, you're trying, you're trying, and literally it's exhausting. We, we talk around here a lot, right, about like, we're, we're serious about the saint, you being saints. We're serious about the priesthood of believers. We're serious about our job as leaders is to not do the work for you, but to equip you to do the work of ministry. Like, we're serious about that. We're serious that you are equipped and called by God to share the gospel. You are equipped and called by God to go baptize people. You are equipped by God to to go make disciples and make disciples and make disciples. You are equipped to go start house churches. You are equipped to go to the ends of the earth. You are equipped to pray for the sick. You are equipped to cast out demons. You are equipped to raise the dead. But sometimes... We can become so consumed, like, I got to do, 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 that we forget that it's about, it flows out of intimacy with the Lord. I mean, that's the beauty of what we talked about last week. Eternal life is this, that we may know God and his son, Jesus Christ, whom he sent. We can do, 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 and not know the Father. And God wants us to know him, and these things will flow out of intimacy with him. Now, some of you, are not walking in faithfulness to what God has asked you to do. 
and my encouragement today would be to go that, that God would give you joy and freedom, that God's grace is going to give you the ability to walk this out. But also, your job is to simply walk in what he's asked you to do, and the results are completely up to him. The results aren't even up to you. How freeing is that? Now, here's the other thing, though, I think, where we can get a little screwed up when we start uh, competing with one another for, oh, look at that fruit you're bearing, or that fruit you're bearing, where we might start making people celebrities because of all this fruit that they're bearing. Um, I, think, I think when we, yeah, here's a side note. I think it changes how we give praise and affirmation to one another, too. My concern isn't like, wow, look at like 10,000 people came to know the Lord through you. Yes, praise the Lord for that. But what I want to praise you for is, I praise the Lord that you were faithful to what God asked you to do. Like when I'm working with people and making disciples and this, this training that we, start, we got starting this week, like when we start spurring you on to go out and do the work, it's hard. And so often we simply encourage you, not because of the fruit that comes or doesn't come. We want to simply encourage you that you are faithful with what God asks you to do. Success isn't what kind of fruit is produced. Success is were you faithful. That we can affirm one another and see what God's doing in one another and say, way to go. Keep being faithful to what God has asked you to do. But here's what else that happens sometimes. Is we start making ourselves a celebrity. We start buying the hype of all those around us. Like, I guess I am kind of a big deal. Like, it is pretty amazing. I, you know, started 43 house churches or baptized 700 people. Well, you know, whatever you, your, your thing may be. And if we're not careful, then we can forget the necessity to be faithful in every area of our lives because we discount that need to be faithful because we say, well, God must obviously be pleased with me because look at all the fruit that's coming in my life. How, how often do we discount or justify sin in our lives because we point to the fruit and go, well, but I'm producing this kind of fruit. I mean, honestly, the fact that we produce any kind of fruit is purely because of God's grace in our lives. And sometimes we want to point like, oh, I'm a big deal because of this spiritual gift or because of this thing or this gift God's given me. And let me just remind us of this, that in the Bible, God used a donkey to speak to his people. Right. Just leave that one right there, you know. But how often do we act as if the gifts were earned? God must be pleased because it did the right thing, so that's why he's giving me these gifts. No, they're called grace gifts for a reason. It's purely by his grace. But just because you are seeing fruit in your life doesn't excuse the fact that God maybe want to do other, deal with other issues or other areas of your heart. He wants you to be faithful. Are you being faithful in speaking the truth? Are you being faithful in the purity of your eyes? Are you being faithful in your relationships? Are, are you being faithful in doing what you say you're going to do? Are you being faithful with those little things? Yes, fruit will come. Yes, God will bear much fruit. God will make his name great. The glory of Jesus will fill the earth. And the awesome thing is that we get to be a part of it. But our job isn't to worry about how much fruit this or that. Our job is to simply to be faithful. We will be rewarded for this. Verse 8 says, He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field, God's building. Like, Again, we don't like to talk about this, but we will stand account to the Lord. Now, this is not a matter of being saved or not saved, but we will receive a reward if we've been faithful with what God has asked us to do. He says this, verse 10. 
according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on a foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only through the fire. I mean, it's an incredible thing he's saying. We have a job to build, but we are not laying any foundation other than the foundation of Jesus Christ himself. And he's urging us and calling us his fellow workers for the gospel. Are we building with stones, uh, precious stones, and gold and silver, things that will last? Or are we building with junky materials that will not last? With straw, with hay, with, with just junky things that will not last. Like, this is something that we're really, really passionate about here at Moran Park, is that we want to make sure that we are building a foundation that's upon Jesus Christ alone and with materials that will last. We don't, we're not looking for a flash in the pan. We're not looking for you just to have a cool experience with the Lord. We want you to grow deep and have deep, solid roots, a uh, solid foundation on Jesus Christ. We want to train you what it means to be faithful in what God has called you to do. And we believe that will grow you into maturity. Um, and, and that's why we have had such a focus we're trying to slowly move towards in, in making disciples. You've heard about these house churches, perhaps. And some of you are like, those are whatever. How do you get into a house church? I think in the past we've made a mistake in making house church the end goal because then what ends up happening is you want to get into house church because you want to make friends. Making friends is super important, but the goal and the hope of a house church is not community. Some of you are like, oh, what? Community is important. That's why we have these pop-up potlucks. We want you to meet people and grow with one another. But the foundation for a house church is built upon seeking and following Jesus Christ, hearing what he says and doing what he says. Community is a byproduct and community will come. But our goal is not simply gather you together in a bunch of house churches because then what ends up happening in three to six months is you're like, hey, I'm in a house church, I've reached my goal. But are you loving God, are you loving others, and are you making disciples that make disciples? Because if you are out there doing the work of being faithful with the daily things that God calls us to do, the faithful things, the small things, the how do we love God today? How do we love other people today? It's hard. It's hard to love people. It's hard to love people that are crazy. It's hard to love people that don't love you back. It's hard to love people that are annoying and obnoxious. That's why as you are making disciples, we want to help form you into a spiritual community with people that you are doing life with so that you can have the encouragement to continue to be faithful in the small stuff. As you are out making disciples. We're not about training you to get more information. We're training you how do you listen to God and do what he says and pass it on to other people. How are you faithful? And so often I think the church, this is our fault, is the church in America, is we are responsible for a very immature church because we've said, no, 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 you're not ready to do this stuff. You're not professional enough to do this stuff. You're not educated enough to do this stuff. And I am reminded that the people used, that we'll talk about next week, the people that God used often in the Bible for some of the most amazing thing and produce some amazing fruit are some of the most unlikely people in the eyes of the world. We want to train you not how to do a house church. We want to train you how to make disciples. 
There's two ways for you to do that. I'm not trying to sell this training that we got going on tonight or, or Friday morning. But if God's stirring in you, how do you want to learn how to make disciples? And part of that will be how to form a spiritual community. Come. Sign up on the website and come. Some of you, your next step is going to be, hey, I just need to gather people I'm doing life with. And if that's the case, come see me. We will walk with you. We will encourage you. We will train you. We will support you in how to do that. But our goal for you isn't simply to assign you to these house churches because what happens is we've set up this model in the past of you just sign up and show up to a house church. But what happens is that's how you get 40, 60, or 80 people in a home. That's not a house church. That's crazy. But what happens now, you have people that are passive. No longer holding one another accountable. No, one are, no longer spurring one another on to be faithful to the things that God has asked us to do. That's why it's not an exclusive thing to say, no, don't come to my house, church. It's actually for your good that you don't do that, that we help spur you on with the people that you are doing life with. How do you hold one another accountable to being faithful? How do you hold one another, spur one another on to being faithful with the big stuff as well as the little stuff? Because when we hold one another accountable, when we spur each other on to being faithful in what God has asked us to do, I do believe that we will see incredible fruit in this city. I believe that we are going to see unbelievable fruit for the gospel. I believe that we're going to see unbelievable amounts of people saved, healed, delivered, transformed. I believe that we're going to see the church awakened. But that is up to the Lord. Our job is simply to be faithful in what God asks us to do day by day by day by day. And here's the good news of the gospel. Because Jesus has called you to be saints. He has equipped you as saints through the power of the Holy Spirit to do the work. You don't have to leave here and now be like, I gotta try super hard to be faithful. No, it's going, God, what, what are you asking of me today? And now I trust you that you're gonna give me what I need to walk in, in the faithfulness today. And I can't wait to see the fruit that God will bear. But that is his responsibility and not ours. And that's good news. Let's pray. God, we thank you for calling us into uh, participating in the work with you. We thank you for saving us, but we also thank you for letting us do the work with you, God, that we know and we trust that you will bear much fruit. You promise it. We long for it. We want to grow in Christ's likeness, God. We want to see your kingdom come. We want to see your kingship be established in our lives, in our homes, in our families, in our communities, in our cities and state and nation and world. We want to see your kingdom come. But God, would you give us grace to be faithful with the things that you called us to today? God, would you set us free from comparing ourselves to one another? Yeah, there, there's something to that this morning, Moran Park. God, would you show us ways that we just try to compare each other because of the, the fruit that we're trying to measure it against each other rather than worrying about whether we're being faithful or not. I believe this morning that the Lord is inviting us into repentance for comparison. Because when we compare ourselves to one another we fail to believe who God has called us to be as saints. So 
so my encouragement as we worship this one, even if we just sit here for a minute, maybe what's the one, 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 one way, one area God's saying that you're comparing yourself to someone else, comparing the fruit in your life to someone else, that you would confess that to the Lord and that you would turn from it, not out of this heavy-handedness, but by this joy of what the Lord is inviting you into. God wants to take the burden off of you. So many of us, we walk with such burden in following the Lord. We walk with such weight in trying to produce all this fruit that you would say, oh God, I turn away from this, but God, I trusted that you were going to bear much fruit in my life, but that's your job. God, for my brothers and sisters in here who have been in a sense, out of the game because they don't feel like they measure up. They don't feel like they're as good as someone else. They don't feel like they're as gifted as someone else. They don't feel like they're as qualified as someone else. They don't feel like they see the fruit, uh, uh, the fruit that they think they should see as much as someone else. God, I pray that you would lead them to the truth that, God, you have called them and you have equipped them for the work specifically for them. So would you give them the grace to be faithful this morning? And God, we do long for fruit. We can't wait to see the fruit that you're going to bear. But we recognize, God, that that is not on us to produce. For those that are weary this morning, God, from trying to make fruit happen, God, would you set them free? Hey, for those college students, God, that are so burdened this morning of trying to appear like they've got all this fruit in their life by uh, you know, going to chapel and doing this event and doing this thing and saying the right things and trying to give the appearance of the fruit that they think they should have, God, would you set them free of that burden this morning? God, that they could be honest with what, what you're doing in their heart and that they would be faithful in seasons of rest. They'd be faithful in seasons of pruning. They would be faithful in seasons of waiting. They would be faithful in seasons of, of battling and warfare. But God, would you set us free as a family, set us free as a community of trying to portray particular fruit to look good to other people so that we can have people follow us because look at all this fruit in my life. Look how amazing I am in my life. Oh God, that we would not receive the credit or the glory, but that Jesus, you alone receive the praise that's due your name. God, that we would see ourselves as simply as faithful servants to make your name great. Oh God, that you would do that. God, we thank you for this good news that you don't require us to manufacture our own fruit. So we trust you to do it. We walk in joy and we walk in peace. God, knowing that you'll give us the grace to even do what you've called us to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.